Namaste, motherfuckers, and welcome to Tantric Conversation, episode number 26. Mr. Parker Galore. We'll call him that for all intents and purposes, but that's his stage name. It's not his real name. Uh, Parker and I got together in the upstairs of uh, Gallery 5 about a week ago. He gave me a little tour around there, which we talk about. It's a place I had no idea was... Uh, not only has it been a fire station, but a police station, and things are a little, uh, got a little uh, gothic in there. People met their fate in the closet where they hang the hoses. People got, people got hung, not just hoses, in that closet. And that building, like a lot of other places in Richmond, and I don't, I don't really claim to uh, have any kind of, I don't know about psychic, but. I, I don't know, I can pick up on Juju, and that building's got some bad or otherwise, but maybe just a little cosmic stain on it, but uh, I think that Parker and the other burners that he does, uh, does the events, the Carnival of Five Fires, and then all of the uh, other art shows that go on all there, and all the shows, the musical events are doing something to charge that particle differently I've seen a lot of actually seen a lot of bands play there since I've been back from Minnesota and it's been a good time every time and uh, that was the first time I'd ever been upstairs and seen the actual fire poles and the space up there which is a beautiful beautiful room we have art hanging and receptions and stuff but I, I really enjoyed talking to Parker he we could have really gone longer but there was stuff going on at the gallery and we had to kind of cut it off and maybe we'll have him back some other time because he really wanted to talk about it a lot more and we just sort of that was almost all exposition that talk but it was great to I've known him for a while as a you know a guy I used to see at the gym and I've, we, I've interacted with him over RBA Mag which I contributed to a long time ago a couple articles and uh, we've always known each other to say hi but I never knew what drove him and I got a little insight into that and that was that was great fun um, and by the way, I am sitting here now able to post this podcast because the Verizon guy just left and I had to raise hell to get the Verizon guy to come over here and fix the DSL and it turns out it was operator error. I get the old wiring in my parents' house, which I'm where I'm house sitting right now is it had some kind of a splitter on the line and I disconnected that because I thought it was unnecessary. Turns out it was necessary. That's what I get for thinking. But uh, that guy coming over, he fixed some things that needed to be fixed, and then he and I ended up having a conversation. And uh, he was he was obviously needing to uh, talk to somebody about his wife and his kids and his stress level and all of that. And I feel very grateful, honestly, that he felt he could talk to me about it. And that's cool. I almost turned on the mics and had him sit down and have a uh, interview with a Verizon repair guy from Mechanicsville or Chesterfield. I think he's from Chesterfield. But uh, that's what it's all about, man. Just connecting with people and as they are, as I am and as they are, and and then you getting to hear it as you are and uh, being a fly on the wall, as my friend Morgan put it. You don't have to participate in the conversation if you don't want to, but I'd love it if you did. Make a comment on the page, send me an email, can tweet at me at Zizmos, X-Y-Z-M-O-S-S, 
can make comments on the Facebook page because we do have a Tantric Conversation Facebook page that you can like up on. And uh, I, I welcome feedback, you guys. I know the, what's problematic about myself and this podcast, and that's part of what I think is it's all about, the story of the development of it and me and the people I talk to. And, um, you know, I got some really nasty feedback from a old bandmate and an old friend uh, of mine and an old roommate on Facebook. And, you know, it was, uh, it was like, you know, it'd be great to hear some. I almost wanted to have that, like, more, and him not send it to me privately, but have it on the, have it on the page, have it part of the conversation. See if, uh, if he doesn't believe me, maybe he would believe somebody else about what's behind this podcast, which I endeavor to make a honest thing, an open thing, not a thing about me and my ego, but hey, my ego has its own agenda, and it does what it does, but uh, this is all a practice listening, communicating, and uh, I invite you to make it a part of yours. Dig. Parker Galore. We're going to roll. Okay. Roll. So you were telling me as I was walking up here, we're in Gallery 5, which used to be a fire station and a police station? Yes. It was built in 1849. And was uh, used for multiple purposes. And apparently, they also executed a few people in this building, which adds to the spook factor. But as I was showing you earlier, there is a giant closet back there that's also, or was also, used as gallows. And there's old fire hoses still hanging up back there pretty creepy so was this some kind of a judge jury and executioner situation like i mean they they would be just holding the guy in here and decide okay he's got to go and just i think so but i'm not i'm not quite certain on the process back then i mean the law was a little bit more loose in the the mid 1800s i guess right this is pre-civil war right or right around yeah and this building obviously survives the the, Civil the grand War. fire. Yeah. Which it should. It's a firehouse. Yeah, really. That would be awfully ironic. <laughs> yeah. If it burnt down. It's already ironic that we have fire performers outside of the firehouse. Yeah, it's <laughs> taken awesome. me a while to put together all of the that it's the gallery of five fires and the, this, so this well, is it's the carnival of five fires. carnival of uh, sorry carnival of five fires and it's because it's gallery five and it's called gallery five because it was engine number five it was a uh, steamer company number five which the new one is like behind us right down the street oh really the modern steamer company number five. Oh, so there that still exists as a institution yes huh it does and, uh, you know, every time I see steamer, it just makes me think of something else besides a <laughs> I don't a know what you're talking running. about. <laughs> talking about a hot Carl. Oh, um, God. <laughs> so tell me your, the history of your involvement with this place. The history of my involvement. Well, in 2004, MySpace was a thing. It still is a thing. It sucks now. Mm-hmm. But back then, it was the new hot social media outpost that everybody was using. And um, Amanda Robinson, who 
whose parents own the space um, got in touch with me. I had a I was I'm a painting and printmaking major from VCU, graduated in 2001, uh, but I had some of my artwork up on MySpace, and she got in touch with me and said she was opening a. You know, coming back to Richmond, she was down in Savannah going to Savannah College of Art and Design and about to graduate and then do a a bit of traveling and then come back to Richmond. And she was going to open and work on this space and turn it into an art gallery and asked if I would be interested in showing my work. And, of course, I was like, hell yeah. But uh, we started the conversation online of just kind of what's been going on in Richmond while she's been gone and some of my experiences. And, um, when she got back into town and started working on this space, myself and a friend of mine, uh, Tony Harris started putting together the first issue of RVA magazine. Mm -hmm. And with, with the release date being, April 15th, 2005, tax day. Uh huh. Um, but we're still in 2004 at this point in the story. I was about to ask you that. So yes. this, this conversation began around the gallery or was in 2004? Yeah. Okay. Um, more toward like early fall 2004. Almost 10 years ago. Yeah. And um, yeah, so sh- we started putting together the first issue of the magazine and, you know, I started doing the hunting gathering process of what was going to be articles and spotlights of the magazine. And one of the things that I wanted to include in the first issue was interviewing Amanda and a spotlight on this space. Um, because I thought it was a very interesting, uh, project and And a very historic building. And I hadn't been in the building yet at, at that point. So, she got back into town. They started, you know, gutting the gallery in certain ways and, and you know, whipping it into shape. And, um, you know, I made arrangements to come over here. And I walked in the building and I just, like, it, all these visions hit me of what could go where and thing, you know, what could be housed here and, and whatnot. And, you know, I just fell in love with the space immediately as well. It's just a very, very unique space. And uh, she and I sat down and had a discussion about the creative community in Richmond and what we thought was lacking and what we could do to evolve it or change mm-hmm. it or help it kind of explode because... At that point, there were a lot of younger artists out there and a lot of peers of mine that I graduated with uh, from VCU that didn't really have too many spaces to show their work. And was um, was First Friday happening at this point? First Friday was still hap- was was happening. It's, um, when did it start? Like kind of around then? No, it's older than it, that. Yeah, it was older than that, but it was only a handful of galleries, and it was kind of the upper echelon art elite uh-huh quote unquote of richmond and so actually like an older vcu art uh graduate 
community, right? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Who really were people who started like you guys, but now they had become the the establishment, I, I, I guess? Yeah, I think so, except, and this is what you you never want, and in my opinion, there was a very like kind of uh, elitist attitude, and my myself and my friends would want to go to First Friday, and we'd walk in like a gallery that I'm not going to name, and the people in the gallery would literally turn their backs on us because we're, you know, we have tattoos and some of us had funny hair and, hmm. you know, we were not dressed how they saw fit to be dressed sure. and, and whatnot. And, you know, we wanted to experience art and be inspired why I feel you should go to a, a creative space. Right. So we basically at some point said, fuck that shit. Can I say fuck on this? Uh, you can. Yep. Okay. You can say whatever you want. You can even name that gallery if Great. you want. You know, it's not. Yeah. If you want. <laughs> I mean, no, I don't really. It, it, there, there was many that kind of had that attitude out of the the four or whatever that existed back then. And these were these these were on Broad Street, right? Yes. Yep. And they still exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we basically boycotted at that point because we were seeing we weren't made to feel comfortable. It was a very kind of stagnant environment. We weren't really engaging with anybody and having good conversations. And so for a while, there was kind of this underground art show chain kind of happening where somebody's apartment would be cleared out or a a small warehouse space or even an alleyway. And a group of artists... Um, a lot of times myself included would just plaster the walls with art salon style and mm-hmm. have very inexpensive prices on them and have a DJ and have a band and those experiences were more genuine to me than anything that I was you know running across when coming to these existing galleries uh-huh. back then so with that being said, when Amanda got into town, I we we had a conversation of, about what's been going on and what's not been going on, and you know I relayed my experience with that, and you know really wanted to. She she was also interested in incorporating that tone and that feel in this space, and also making it somewhere for all walks of life to come and enjoy. Mm-hmm. And all creative circles to to come and and maybe become this hub. Mm-hmm. Um, I had also went to Burning Man in two thousand three, which had a giant impact on my brain and the way that I uh, looked at life, but specifically creativity. And, and what was it? About? You've just come back from Burning Man too, yes, right? And this was my eighth Burning Man. I've skipped a couple since two thousand three, but but eight out of yeah, what almost. 10 yeah you've been to so what in what ways can you remember that is that experience has changed your mind besides the heavy duty uh mind altering substances (laughs) i I don't don't know what you're talking about with that um well burning man is it completely blew my brain apart and put it back together differently in that it had all of these 
things that I appreciated in one arena, such as circus arts and fire performance and visual art and people collaborating on giant projects and people were really respecting each other and going out of their way to be kind mm-hmm. to each other. And where, when you, when you do that and you extend friendliness, it becomes really contagious. Yeah. So everybody there is like, for the most part, really cool. And it, and it's changed. It's now 70,000 people. When I went, yeah. it was maybe 22, 23,000. But you felt, immediately felt accepted and, and oh, yeah. a sense of belonging And that's there. one of the things is, you know, radical inclusion. And it doesn't matter I like that. where you're from, who you are, what walk of life that you exist in. There's there's something there. You yeah. can find something there that I think you can respond to for the most part. It's kind of funny. Uh, it's sort of surprising to me, and I don't doubt the truth of your experience because um, I can imagine how it would be that way. But for me, when I uh, went to VCU, it was uh, it felt like a radical kind of you know inclusion to me based on what I had come out of um, at parochial school, and the scene around VCU art wise you know in the 90s was very much like what you guys were setting out to do with mm-hmm. gallery five i mean there was a space 13 right. back in the day do you remember did you ever hear about that, that was place? that was a little bit before my time yeah so there were people who probably are now have found, somehow found themselves you know at you know like at, at the time that you're coming out of school you know wanting to participate in, the, in that community they don't even realize they're being Right, they're now the oppressors. Yeah, or, I mean, you know, there, there or whatever. Was, there People was go a, with what they know, I guess. Yeah. yeah, and you know, there were a few spaces like Orange Door Gallery was an awesome gallery. Yeah, that was Heidi, right around here. Heidi right? Trepignet. Yeah, who's actually opening a new space called Love Bomb with a couple friends of mine. Where's that going to be? That is over off of uh, uh, Bainbridge. Oh and yeah, down there in the uh, south side. What do you call that Manchester area? Manchester area. Uh-huh. And I'm really excited about that space. It's. Uh, Heidi, uh, my friend Julie Elkins, and my other friend Lily Lamberta, who actually started the first Halloween parade probably about 2006, I think it was, and she has these giant puppets. She was part of Bread and Puppet Theater. That's a whole other conversation of awesome. But just kind of back to going back to what we were saying, so I relayed the Burning Man conversation and my experiences with Burning Man because at that point I'd went twice oh three and oh four i'd just gotten back from burning man and you know she we we really had agreeance on what the creative experience should be so i asked her if she could have this building ready by april 15th 2005 and she said yes so it gave her a deadline and you know we we were going to try to have the rva magazine kickoff party down at Plant Zero because mm-hmm. Plant Zero had recently opened. That's also in Manchester, but that space and it, it's an amazing space. But it was very art complex, you know, mm-hmm. very I don't know and steel and glass kind yeah. of. Yeah, mm-hmm. and this space felt just so like raw and and it just ha- it automatically had some soul to it. Yeah, and it was very exciting to be able to invest time and energy and in, in blood, sweat and tears into putting more soul into it. So we joined forces and the RVA magazine kickoff and the gallery five grand opening were the same event. Mm-hmm. 
and we had hundreds of people that showed up on that night and it was really uh amazing to see the looks on people's faces as they walked in and there were bands playing there were video projections on the walls there was other installations um and we had over 40 artists upstairs of all medium sculptures paint paintings prints drawings and whatnot and so you were going for sort of a mini urban burning man sure kind of experience yeah, yeah. um just something where there there is a multifaceted experience and mm-hmm. a multi-sensory experience too and you know almost i'm a big fan of like carnivals and, and circus and whatnot and what i like about you know just specifically like weird old carnivals is the the job of a, a lot of these carnies is to get you to come and like pay attention to their ride or yeah. what they're the like barkers. barking out yeah, yeah. yeah. so it kind of had that feel. There was something kind of happening in every corner that was different where you were engaged. So was there a degree of that of people playing that role to sort of bring people around and say, okay, stop looking at this, come look at that? Or Yeah, yeah. and just upstairs, upstairs just had so much different art that you were just drawn to all the corners. Downstairs was more of like we had the live performance. We had bands, video projection, people interacting with with the crowd and you know it was then we just kind of looked at each other and we're like holy shit and we were like we we got to keep this going Mm -hmm. we gotta there's something happening and she asked me to stay on and help her you know run the space and it's it's been a very wild ride and there's been so many different artists and musicians and performers that have uh, been under this roof and performed. And it's been very amazing to get to interact and, and conversate or converse. I don't think conversate's a word, but Both, with, yeah, it works, but with, with all these awesome people. And, um, you know, one of the goals of the gallery and, and the magazine were to create platforms where all these artists and musicians of all genres could be showcased and we felt like they weren't really being showcased in like style weekly or some of the other Mm -hmm. publications or other galleries Mm -hmm. and so we wanted to really reach out to these amazing artists and say hey you have a place that you can show your work or you can play your music or you can do whatever you know whatever performance that you're involved in or xyz and also by doing that create a hub where all these circles of creativity that may have been kind of in their corner and not interacting with other circles could interact Mm -hmm. with the other circles and be having a good time but start up conversations where the conversation might lead to collaboration and so what i started seeing was a lot of musicians like scoring filmmakers films or filmmakers making videos for musicians or graphic designers designing cd art when cd still existed Mm -hmm. for musicians (laughs) or you know the list goes on and on so it was personally fulfilling for me to do what i could to be a connector 
yeah. you're like, oh, you need to meet this guy that's on the other side of the room right here, and maybe and and to see something be birthed out of the mm-hmm. meeting and, and having that conversation. That's interesting. I um, I, I I didn't uh, I have I don't think I've ever come here for any of those carnival of five fires things i think i maybe have seen a a, something you know like been out on a first friday and walked by and see somebody spinning chains with flames out there yeah but part of the reason i didn't is i kind of didn't think like i felt like it was forbidding you know on some level like this was for a very specific subset and i'm yeah i mean i'm realizing now that that's just in my head um maybe it's in the head of, of a few other people <clears throat> but you, there's no accounting for perception like that. Because sure. you're meaning to be inclusive, radically inclusive, which I really like. That is what you said, right? Yes. I like that term a lot. Um, yet, you know, people judge books by their covers and don't realize that this is a welcoming, you know. Right. Well, the, the, the first Fridays in general um, is different than the Carnival of Five Fires. The Carnival is a specific event yeah. that really... Uh, has a, a tone and a theme and it's a little bit weirder um and we started the carnival I, I think 2006 was the first year and we were putting together one of the regular first friday shows and we had a lot more crazy themes back then that we would just come up with and be like oh yeah it'd be cool to have a, that theme we've never experienced an art show like that before and um you know, I was just talking about my love of, of old, like, weird carnivals and, mm-hmm. and circus arts and fire performance and burlesque and all this stuff. And we're like, well, fuck it. Let's have a actual carnival-themed show mm-hmm. and get all these things and all these performers and people together under this, like, one umbrella of a theme. And so the Carnival of Five Fires was born, and, you know, five being relating to the building but right. five being the symbol of the carnival is a an open hand with an eye oh. in the middle and it has a lot of symbolism but to me that's uh you know the the eye is seeing is like the the all-seeing eye mm-hmm. and the hand being the the tool that people use to make things yeah but also i guess that welcoming thing sure yeah, that uh, that open hand in uh, in greeting. Yeah, it's like hi. Yeah, high five. So I really yeah, exactly. <laughs> high five. So lame. So the the carnival, yeah, the the carnival each year is a little bit different in in tone and theme and people that are uh, players in the carnival and we're getting ready to have it again October fourth. It's the big kickoff that happens on first Friday, and so we'll have the street closed with the fire performers and my crew, which is Party Liberation Front, PLF. Oh, yeah. Um, We have DJs out there. We'll have some circus arts. Inside, we'll have some burlesque and vaudeville and sideshow and um, some bands. What's uh, Party Liberation Front all about? Party Liberation Front. Besides having a great ring to it. Party Liberation Front. Well, PLF evolved out of... I, th- I think evolved strongly out of the gallery. And my experience was when I was going around flyering for the first Gallery 5 show, it was on the April 1st Friday. And so it was still the 200 people and just those those few galleries open. 
but I stumbled across some fire performers and actually it was five of them and you know they had like 10 or 15 people watching them and I was like so excited I was like fire performers Mm -hmm. because I hadn't seen that anywhere else except Burning Man and other circus shows or whatever that I'd been to and so I was really excited to stumble upon these this group and they were called the River City Burners and you know, I went up to them and talked to them about what we were going to be doing. I was like, you guys have to perform at this opening. I was like, it would be perfect. I love and respect what you're doing and, you know, want to have you guys over there. And so they did, and they, you know, had hundreds of people watching them. And it, fire has been a tradition on most of the first Fridays. We do it a little bit further and fewer and far between first Fridays now but for many first Fridays for years we were always you know right in front of the gallery and it got so large that we now have to close the street beside the gallery yeah um, but PLF my my buddy Conway Jennings who is a DJ and a fire performer he goes by Mr. Jennings he he was he was a young graffiti writer and uh spinning actual records back in the day and he started coming around more learning fire performance um from our buddy danny and danny was uh he wasn't one of the first few river city burners but he was around doing fire then so he started coming around and um conway decided to throw a party in a warehouse i think in 2007 and he just came up with the name Party Liberation Front as a moniker, and so that's a roaming party kind of a thing. That well, not necessarily no, I mean, it's here. A, you know, it is a collective. It's a brand. It's a collective. <laughs> it, it can be a brand, sure, if you want to, if you want to call it that. But uh, it's we'll we'll say it's a burner collective, and it's people of all walks of life. And do you? Do fire performance yourself? I do a little bit. Yeah. I need to practice more, but I have a, a staff that uh, I occasionally have lit on fire, but <laughs> I need to do that more. Because, you know, I love the art of it. And So the Party Liberation Front is a collective of guys that are fire performers, guys and, and girls. And girls. And, fire uh-huh. performers, DJs, you know, visual artists, sculptors. We make And they mostly do cars. stuff here or they yeah. all around? Well, all around. Yeah. All around. I would say the the main evolution of PLF happened at Gallery Five because my buddy John Reinhold we we've had him DJing since the beginning and it just kind of evolved really naturally. Everybody started first Fridays became the the main like meeting mm-hmm. spot for fire performance and you know the conversation started and then other things started other gatherings and other things started evolving from those conversations, but um. Yeah, it it's all been interesting to see these things evolve and you know I won't give the gallery sole responsibility for doing it, but it's been really interesting it's to been a place provide a hub. It's inter- uh one of the things that's interesting to me about this, and I mean and I have this feeling about Richmond in general, but this is obviously one of those places that's got like it's had a lot of juju go through it. You can feel that sitting here, even if you didn't yeah. tell me about I mean, and that's very, like, I could picture it just like Sixth Sense when that kid goes into the uh, 
courthouse or the school in in Philly, and there are people hanging in there. I mean, you can just you can feel it. It's like it drips from the walls up here. It's thick, you know. And that that's soul. I'm and it gives it's. It, I don't know. It kind of gives a gravity to a place that stuff has gone on there. And also, I mean, there's been that aspect of it, but there's also been the aspect that this was a, an engine company that went around to put out fires and save people's lives. And sure. I kind of wonder if, you know, apparently back in New York in the, you know, the, um, what do they call that? The five points, uh, borough or the crossing of all those streets in like gangs of New York, that the firemen were a gang initially that started fires and then you paid them to put the fire out. Oh wow! Yeah, I did it, not know that. They were kind of they were kind of not that cool. Um, they're not the guys that run it ran into the uh, World Trade Center back then. They were uh, right. they were sort of uh, hoods on a certain level. It's like pay us protection money. But uh, I wonder if that if that started if it was like that to begin with here, but. Yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. That'd be interesting to to delve. But there's into definitely that. some, you know, it, there's a uh, uh, the very what I think is a really fascinating darkness to Richmond. But it's not macabre because yeah, you know, positive things and life affirming things are still going on over this stain or in conjunction <laughs> with this stain. And uh, I think, but I think that's one of the beauties of this area is you have this giant thing that happened called the civil war. Right. And you know, a lot of people still harp on this being the capital of the South and all, right. you know, all right. that stuff, the but confederacy. Yeah. But then you have the creatives that are passionate about what they do and also passionate about the city and want to work really hard to show the rest of the, the world, at large or the East coast or the United States or whatever, that we really do have a jewel here mm-hmm. and there's more than just the civil war. There's yeah. A lot more than, well, just and the prior civil to the war. civil war, it was a major hub. You want to talk about hubs. Sure. It was a major hub of slave trade. Oh yeah. And then prior to that, and when we talk about this on this podcast, a lot here and there, then there, the, the treatment of the native Americans that were here already. This, oh, yeah. There was a very you know dense population yeah. of, of, um, a particular, I guess, Algonquin, and then they were white or whatever. I mean, there's a bunch of different names you come across. I don't know what's what, but um, those people were here. They were run off. There were a lot of wars fought, even just you know with them. And like, there's up in Churchill is the Battle of Bloody Run there. Um, and then of, of course, you know, there's and a, death. <laughs> lots of fucked up shit has gone on here. And I wonder. I mean, I've never really thought about it till I started doing this that. You know, we're obviously a little insecure about our image as a city. Oh, yeah. And we have something to prove. And I never connected that with the heritage of the Civil War in the South. I mean, there are other southern cities that seem to be just fine, like Atlanta. No, You know, they were just as much a part of the Confederacy as anybody. I mean, they got burnt down by Sherman and or burnt by Sherman or whatever. But they they don't seem to have the same need to prove themselves but we are a little bit more like that. There's more of an identity crisis here. Right. Maybe it's I think it's also the position of Richmond, like mm-hmm. the actual physical position of it, it being kind of like mid right in the Coast, middle, yeah. You know, and being a very traveled people travel through Richmond mm-hmm. city, highways, um, railroads, rivers, yeah. all that stuff rolling through here. Yeah, um, and I really do think it's also that confet, you know, Confederate capital of the South. Um, you know, so it, it's it's very interesting because all of these things that have happened 
you know, have helped shape this city mm-hmm. to what it is and help, you know, make the, the people that want to be the, the rebels and yeah. prove something. Yeah. Different. I mean, it shaped people like you and me. Sure. You know, I mean, that's the thing often that when we want to start, people just sort of casually start dissing Richmond or the South or the culture of it. You know, we're part of the culture of it. This is where we came from, mm-hmm. you know. So it that therefore that also represents Richmond and Virginia and the South, you know. But we get hung up on these stereotypes of, uh, you know, rednecks and racists and all of that, which it's a very negative part of the South. But it's for a long time also been a very creative and forward thinking. Oh, yeah. And, you know. But you are not originally from Richmond. You were just telling me you're from Danville. Yes. Right? Which, <laughs> so Danville actually was the last Confederate capital of the South. Really? And when when Richmond was burning, when the Confederate Army caught their own city on fire and XYZ right. fled, they were still trying to hang on. And so they went down to Danville and like, this is our new capital. So Danville is actually... Well, I left in 1998, but there was still so much pride of that being the last Confederate capital of wow. the South, even for that very short time. Lots of Confederate flags down there. What's the deal with Danville, anyway? I mean, I had a friend live down there not that long ago, so I was a little bit more aware of it than I had been. And uh, and then I remember there being an article about a plant closing down there, like a big paper plant. Uh, and it's on. it's named for the Dan River. Right. Which is a horrible, disgusting river that giant mutant wharf rats breed yeah. down by. So what's the, is it? A, is it another one of those places like West Point that just? Did I don't really have too many or? good things to say. Yeah, there's textile. I don't really have too many good things to say about Danville. Um, there's well, a tell lot me of, what it's like anyway. Even in bad words. Yeah, you know, no, you can, you can be a little negative. There's there's it. a lot of churches and a lot of used car lots, and sometimes mm-hmm. the preachers also sell used cars. And. Yeah. You know, lots Sounds of like, uh, lots of unhappy people. Yeah, well, my father's a preacher too, and yeah. has been since he was eighteen years old. Wow, that shit's cray. Son of a preacher, man. Huh? Yeah. Um, what but, kind of preacher? Wait, what? What? Uh, primitive Baptist. Oh yeah, that's what my dad is. Yeah, it's weird. So we are both of our dads are primitive Baptists. Yeah, that's weird shit. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I don't understand it, and I've thought it was bullshit since I was little, and. Yeah, but that also helped shape who I am today. Well, they're they're down to stripping shit down to the basics, yeah. is what uh, is what my understanding is. I've I've been to one primitive Baptist kind of thing, which is my grandmother's funeral, and actually, I guess I went to two. And you know, they're they don't they think all of that, you know, the statues and the stained glass and all that stuff yeah. is iconography, and and it's uh, they don't do that blasphemy. Yeah. So they they want to keep it, and even the music, no even, instruments, like, right? So. The dude who was the elder who led the um, memorial service of the wake or whatever, he started singing, and then everybody sang along with him. And I thought I thought that was kind of dope, you know how, you know, just stripped down to the basics. It was, you know, it's just a plain fucking white wooden building and a guy in a black suit. You know. Experience that weekly, and you won't think it's dope. <laughs> in fact, it will start driving you insane, or it did me. Um, but yeah, Danville. My experience there was not positive. No. Um, a lot of a lot of racism. A lot of people physical altercations. Mm-hmm. You know, it was nothing to go to a, a party or a gathering, and you were going to see a fight or be in a fight because you were looking at somebody's girlfriend wrong or whatever. So a lot of people walking around with chips on their shoulders yeah. and angry, and I think it's because there's no want for cultural progression down there. Yeah. And there's a lot of hate. 
Mm-hmm. There's a lot of hate going on. If you look different, and hopefully it's opened up and changed a little bit, but I don't know. If you look different down there, you were gay or weird, and you weren't looked kindly upon. Were you one of the people that fell into that category? Um, you know, I when I was in high school, I was the wrestling captain, but I was also winning art awards, so people were confused by who I was because mm-hmm. I was doing all kinds of things. And when I started going to college and really getting into my personal creativity and hanging out with the, with the punk rockers, you know, that's when, you know, I bleached my hair Billy Idol white and, you know, put Elmer's glue in it and, you know, dress, <laughs> dress however the fuck I wanted and not give a shit and X, Y, Z. But how'd yeah. the art thing start for you? For me? Yeah. Um, I, I've always been interested in doing visual artwork and when I was younger I was really into comic books mm-hmm. and so which ones oh, I really like well any of the Marvel stuff was more exciting to me but also was into Batman like probably most little kids yeah but I like Spider-Man and the X-Men the best that was my the, favorite the popular stuff ones. too yeah um, I'm I a started, Marvel guy more than anything yeah Marvel was just more fun to me. It seemed cooler to me. Like DC always had such weird namby pamby yeah. heroes to me, but somehow Batman kind of doesn't fall into that. But they just they're it always seemed cornier. But like people who are really into comic books, and I interviewed a guy in here say that DC's really got the more serious stories. They're like the more oh yeah more intense stuff. But I don't know. I, I just like the costumes and the characters. <laughs> yeah, Marvel better, but. What I was doing, so my parents, you know, they sent, they they saw and realized that I really enjoyed drawing and painting, and so they sent me to do art lessons, and it was with this, like, older lady that wanted us to paint, like, Bob Ross and do happy little trees uh-huh. and barns and all that bullshit, and while that was kind of fun for a little while, I wanted to fucking paint Batman and draw Batman, mm-hmm. and I was just like, when can we do this? And she was like, we don't do that in here, and I actually remember throwing a tantrum and throwing my painting of this like shitty barn with like autumn leaves and (laughs) across the room and that was the you know probably not a good way to to act when you're a very young person but uh yeah that actually kind of drove me to not go back to that art class and really just start collecting comic books and drawing figures and i really got into figures for a while and putting together these narratives and building these stories and and whatnot so you drew somewhat comic books a little bit yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and um you know then when i came to vcu in in 98 i'd already been to art school well i had not been to art school i had went to college at averett in danville and i was like one of 12 art students and had Mm -hmm. the same you know, two teachers for every class and just kind of like bored out of my fucking mind and fucking around down there a lot. And so when I came to VCU, I was like, I'm getting my shit together in multiple ways. I'm leaving this really depressing, oppressing city where I was getting in a lot of trouble and not doing what I needed to be doing. And in a city with, to me, all this opportunity. When I came to Richmond, I was just like mouth open, blown away just at standing on campus like oh my god people of different races and that look different are walking around with each other and friends and having fun and you know all this stuff and i can go see different music every night and wow there's big dance parties oh my god nobody's getting in fights wow that's great and i know that's 
that, I mean, that's really cool to to hear you say because I, I mean, you know, I for me, Richmond is Danville when I'm growing up, right? You yeah. know, I mean, it it had been a little bit more vibrant when I was in the '70s and '80s before downtown closed, you know, and but when I went on my first bus, my painting and printmaking bus trip to New York. I had the same experience of going, wow, look at all of these people who are hanging out together. <laughs> you know, I guess it's all a matter of, uh, of scale. Yeah. You know? Well, it made me appreciate where I, where I was and mm-hmm. appreciate that I got the hell out of where I had been. Yeah. And it really made me want to focus on exploring the city and then eventually helping showcase all the amazing things about the city. Mm-hmm. Because you're able to appreciate it with an outsider's eyes instead of being like me, who's like, you know, originally a frustrated kid. Yeah. And well, you know, and and when I got here in in '98, it seemed like there was a, or what I was encountering was a pretty negative attitude of Richmond and a lot of people leaving mm-hmm. and graduating school and like, there's nothing going on here, there's no opportunity here, fuck Richmond, fuck Richmond, X Y Z, and I, I just couldn't wrap my head around that. And it was because of I hadn't been living in Richmond, and I had been, and I'd came from the experience that I had just had in Danville, right. which is way worse, which much was more way actually worse. impressive, right? Way worse. So I just couldn't understand it. But the funny and amazing thing is, is a lot of these people that left are now back, mm-hmm. and. At some point, the the general attitude that I was experiencing kind of turned around to a Richmond pride thing. Yeah. Um, and that became very infectious and more people understanding that you can be a part of making something happen here. Right. Because there really is a lot of, like, fertile ground, you know, whereas if you go to New York or L.A. or Atlanta or, you know, wherever the hell – it's more of a rat race. Yeah, there's so many more people who have that same mentality. They came from a smaller town where they were the only one like them, you know, and then they, I mean, this is my experience. I get up to the East Village in the 90s and I'm like, oh, wow, well, now everybody's, this, you know, in some ways the same, yeah. you know. I'm living in a concentration of people who take the same style and fashion and music and art seriously. That's kind of boring, you know. I've only been. And then it's really expensive. I've only been in New York City one time in my life, and I loved it, and I was completely overwhelmed all at the same time. And I love that there were were so many things to see and explore. I hated that I had to plan my entire day step by step before I left, um, because you know everything's accessible here. You right, know, you can just like change your mind quickly and go across town or whatever. Um, And I was really freaked out by Times Square and all those Mm -hmm. giant ads and blinking things that were like Mm -hmm. trying to get your attention. When was this that you were up there? It was probably like seven years ago. I did stay a couple extra days because there were things that I wanted to see that I didn't like, like Coney Island. I was like, I got to go to Coney Island. Yeah. And and this isn't to down. I mean, I'm really, really, I I wasn't bored by being in New York. It was just the initial mentality that got me to go there. I quickly realized, oh, well, now I'm just another one of these people. And I started moving in another direction and and really sort of, you know, defining something that wasn't about like a prevailing fashion, but like really picking and choosing and coming up with, you know, style instead of fashion, you know, which is a different thing. 
But again, like you, I come to realize that this is a great place to do anything you want to do because no, there aren't a lot of people already doing it here. And that that's the thing that we keep coming back to in a lot of conversations with different people is that, you know, so far for now, this is the neighborhood that, you know, has the low rent that this whole city is the neighborhood with low rent right. and, and it and won't that, last. I, that, I think that is also changing a little yeah. bit. You know, Richmond's getting a lot more on the map, especially with VCU basketball and, right. and all that stuff. And I mean, even this neighborhood, you know, when, when the gallery opened in 2005, you still were a little skeptical about walking down the street. Mm-hmm. I had friends that actually were, like, robbed and shot at the end of Marshall. Well, there was a kid shot not long ago just right over here. Yeah. yeah. And none of these buildings were in the shape that they were in. Yeah. The milk bottle, you know, are in great shape now. The dairy. Remember what they yeah. used to look like way back yeah. in the day. Um mm-hmm. So, and you have all these other little shops that have opened up and stores and restaurants and whatnot. And so the gentrification has happened or is happening. Well, I, I don't like that word because, you know, my, my family and a lot of other families moved into Churchill in the late seventies and in the early eighties because they liked the houses and because they could afford a house up there and they happened to be Caucasian and they happened to be middle class. They had no intention of gentrifying anything and they really weren't gentry. My father worked in the factory at Philip Morris and you know, lots of other people like that. I know what you're, but you know, saying why you use that word because a lot of people do, but it is, I was using it as just a blanket term for the, the buildings and the houses and, and, and whatnot being very raw and and the neighborhood being the original or you know a lot of the it's generations (laughs) of 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 inhabitants and then something cool starts happening right and then more more people want to be around things yeah then buildings are purchased or tore down and and whatnot so we're we're both right (laughs) yeah and and i mean isn't a matter of i mean i'm really more commenting on an over overarching attitude that that you know, certain people politically get about a, a group of people moving into a neighborhood and deciding they're going to fix up a house oh, or whatever. Sure. There are people that do go into those neighborhoods to flip real estate, and they have no intention of being part of a community. But just because some co- you know some people with a little bit of money decide to move into a neighborhood and fix up the house doesn't mean that they're there to drive out the people that are already sure. there. And I mean, you know, it's it's be really nice if like what happens in Richmond isn't that you know because it easily just because of how full some of these other cities nearby are getting, um, people could just say, hey, look, there's perfectly good real estate down here and it's close enough to the stuff that we do like or value that we might as well go down there and uh, yeah. you know, buy up buildings and, and move there and whatever. And I'd hate to see that happen to the detriment of people like yourself and others oh, who have been here a long yeah. time. You know, um, The you West know, End is, is terrifying to me. <laughs> it's just sh- mostly shops and suburban, you know, the, the the sprawl, the chain restaurants, and but you're starting to see more of that down here too. Yeah, VCU's VCU. brought in a lot of that, which is kind of weird to see a Chipotle on Gray Street and, and a Chili's and Five yeah. Guys and all that because that when I went to VCU there was none of that. Right, there's the Village and Panda Garden. Yeah, and, you know, it, it's really amazing in one way and very scary in another way to see how VCU has grown. It's just at least quadrupled in size since I got here. I would like to know the actual numbers based on like when I was there and what the population is like now, because it's, 
It's insane. Well, it, it definitely is the biggest university in Virginia. Is it really? Yeah, as far as number of students and, and whatnot. So I want to hear a little bit about uh, Burning Man, because I've never been to that. All And the extent of what I know about it, I mean, I think of it as a, uh, a rave kind of in the desert. And I'm not against raves. It's never really been my culture. I've been to a few in New York, and I enjoyed them as a spectacle. I never fully... The fact of dancing, for instance, being a primary activity never uh, was a, a thing for me. I just didn't, you know, whatever, get drawn to it. So I just basically just didn't pay any attention to it. But I read a book by Daniel Pinchbeck like a few years ago, The Return of Quetzalcoatl, mm-hmm. you know, and he talks a lot about being a burning man. Now, he is eating a lot of hallucinogens yeah and making a, a big part and and he means for that to be a ritual revelatory thing it's not sure. just total recreation you know he wants yeah. to break open the head as he says right and which is another book by another Daniel book Pinchbeck. by him yeah Daniel so, Pinchbeck is he's he's always there and he's giving talks and also having a good time um but yeah my first Burning Man was 2003 and what Burning Man is to me is another platform for the individual to experience and partake in whatever they want Mm -hmm. and you know another radical thing radical free self-expression is is one of the things of burning man and you know it's it's not just a rave in the desert there are dance camps and uh, giant sound systems with people constantly dancing and probably people ingesting substances to make them dance longer or more. Def- definitely. Definitely. People um, ingesting. But, you know, there's there's so much more than that. Um, there's circus arts constantly happening. There are mutant vehicles or art cars, which I was part of an art car project this year. Um, we brought a, a giant 40-foot dragon that was built in Charlottesville in 2010. How long do you stay out there when you go? Um, well, it's a it's a week long, but you can get early arrival uh-huh. uh, passes if you're part of if you're building something. If you're building something, or you're part of a, a a bigger project or camp that needs to get in there to put together whatever said project or, or camp is. Um, but yeah, there's just there's so much there's so much happening at Burning Man that if you stayed up 24 hours a day and just went from thing to thing, whatever thing was, and tried to experience everything, there is no way in hell you could. Yeah. And, you know, it's nothing to to see 100 people dressed as bunnies riding a bicycle chasing people dressed as carrots (laughs) or, you know, people just in elaborate costumes walking around or on stilts or, you know giant pirate ships or dragons or wells or whatever else you can think of. And that that's the thing is like, if you can think of it and there's a means to produce it and make it and you find out and become a part of that group of people or, you know, those find those resources, that's a platform for you to bring whatever your vision yeah. or visions are. So it's, it's really it's a, it's an interesting experiment that is now about seventy thousand people. And so you go out there and you get involved with 
something that you could be getting involved with something that's like a, on a level of almost like a parade float, you know, just some like, you know, crazy, like sudden performance art out of nowhere. Um, you can be getting involved in uh, like there, I guess there are workshops for like our educational thing. Yeah. Everything. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, it's not just a, it's not just a party. It's also a, a, a place where people that are interested in some of the same th- things, that are that want to like help humanity meet and that's like their their meeting ground Mm -hmm. and actually things have been birthed from burning man um just like when katrina happened that happened during burning man but after burning man a group of quote-unquote burners put together burners without borders and they all went down to louisiana and helped with katrina and now the expression burners in this context is the same you mean to use it the same way with the pl with PLF? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the, mm-hmm. everyone in that is also a person who could, is affiliated it's a, with that. Also. Yes. Uh-huh. And, okay. and there's, different re, there's different burns and there's regionals that happen all over the world. Um, one that PLF goes to is called Transformus, and that happens outside of Asheville, North Carolina at this place, Deerfields. Um, and you're in a valley. You're in this lush valley, uh, two small lakes, and just beautiful beautiful land and trails that go up into the woods and they cap it at a little over 2,000 people and so there's there's things that are affiliated with Burning Man that have been birthed from Burning Mm -hmm. Man I kind of look at Burning Man as the the big granddaddy well it's you know and not to be pejorative I, I don't mean to be pejorative about like the rave culture thing at all because I do like for me what it represents is the old school tribal, you know, the c- culture, which is what we sort of all come from, which, and, and the DJ plays the role of the guy that's like playing the drums, you know, and there's sure. a fucking fire in the middle of it and everybody's dancing around. And it's what like, um, Nietzsche would call like the Dionysian form of expression. Oh, it's yes. ecstasy. It's dancing. It's like, it's a type of artistic expression, expression. that leaves no edifice behind. It doesn't create sure. a painting or a statue or whatever. And so, and you anybody know, can do it. Yeah, and and it's a and it's a need I think of humans to get into a collective mindset and dance as a you know or perform or just abandon themselves their egos to a collection of people sure. dancing around. And it's interesting too to t- you know so that mentality started there in these small parties that are going on all over the place. And of course, people are going there to use ecstasy and and coke and all kinds of other stuff but there are plenty of people who are looking just for the static release of of dance and whatever what's interesting to me is like you know one of the people i like a whole lot um alan watts he talks about you know when you get out of the grid of cities nothing in nature is like 90 degree angles at all you know and uh and it's interesting that in order to still function as a, a group that's trying to get out of the grid you still have to make a temporary grid right. out in the desert and these places and that's not a bad thing i mean it's a recognition that there still has to be organization right within organizing the, the chaos yeah mm-hmm. one of the things that happened to me and one of the things that uh impacted me when i went for my first time is all the lessons and all the things that you experience don't have to stay at Burning Man. And you bring those lessons and, and those things back to your community mm-hmm. and make your community a better place. Yeah. And so, you know, that, that was one of the things is like, yes, you go to Burning Man and you experience all that. But 
everything that you experience and the lessons you learn, bring that back and instill that into what you do in the city or town or community that you mm-hmm. live in and ignite some things, start some things and realize that unity is a really powerful force. And when you get people that are like-minded on the same team working toward goals, like a lot of really good shit can happen. Yeah. And I think Burning Man's a it's big... really, you know, again, that's an, um, an ancient archetype, you know, like Joseph Campbell would call it the hero's journey. Is that you know oh, yeah. they, he starts off in a small he's it lives in a small town you know like a Luke Skywalker type character or or King Arthur you know going off he, he goes off and he learns some something that uh, he then must bring back to his original community and, uh, it's, and, and it's also like a teach and impart sure mm-hmm. or it's like a, a a shaman or somebody that's part of a tribe going on a vision quest and yeah. then coming back and talking to the tribe about the knowledge and mm-hmm. that they ex- experience learn mm-hmm. were given by whatever said experience was. I will tell you that this is turning out to be a theme because Kobe and I, the one I posted today, we talk about that. And then a new friend of mine started texting me about these kinds of thoughts. And I, I agree a hundred percent. I think the role, I, I don't think that the artist is meant to completely rebel against the community. The artist is meant to shut, set up a context. I mean, a contrast to the existing community there has to, you have to have organization you got to have some streets and roads and some you know some hubs and some things like that you got to have a firehouse you know to put out fires and all of that but you also have to not get imprisoned by those structures and you you still have to have that thinking that blows it open it breaks open the head right that, so that you know the society doesn't become enslaved to its tools right you know and i, I and, think as as artists one of the responsibilities that we have is not only our own radical self-expression and getting out our thoughts and visions and dreams, but also doing so to inspire other people, but also get their, their wills turning in their Mm -hmm. head. And, you know, so I think the artist is kind of this, or can be this kind of like shaman figure that yeah. you're 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 showing a a piece of work that is a, another level of reality mm-hmm. of of your own psyche or your own creativity sure. and hopefully the person engaging that it will stir something within them to either be creative or think about changing themselves for the better or confronting some demon that they have to evolve as a person. So we, you know, the thing that I, I guess is the ongoing work of this, because, you know, so many people, myself included, have your attitude about why they would create something and give something out to the world and the community. And yet the people in, that it is intended for, and this goes all the way back to like, you talking about in the sixties, like Grace uh, Slick was talking about, we're out here protesting the Vietnam war to save the lives of the guys that are cracking our skulls, um, you know, in, on the police force and stuff when they come in. Because those people c- can still walk into that room like you did into that gallery and see that they're being excluded, not see that they're actually, that people are trying to welcome them and do something for them. Because that which you don't understand, you either like... Fear and hate. Right. Usually. Yeah. It's a, it's a, a hell of a, um, a paradox, you right. know. That so many artists really are, there are people who have been discriminated against and are trying to open up those kinds of, you know, 
uh, boundaries and parameters, and yet they, you know, the people don't get it. You know, but you, but on, you hope, you know? but you hope that it will impact and or maybe change some of those people's minds to where they will get it, whatever it is. And to me, it is the individual becoming comfortable with themselves and um, making a, a, a progressive, positive change. And it's got to come from yourself first. Yeah. And everybody's got their shit they got to deal with. I got a lot of shit. I have right, right. issues that I'm still dealing with. Mm-hmm. But that's just part of life. So you get good with yourself, and then you can make a positive contribution to the community that you are a member of. That is absolutely yeah. There goes the phone. the phone. So hey, man, we're at like you know we're about at that time. So we let the we could let the phone the call from Mackenzie. What does she want? <laughs> and uh, I thank you for sitting down with me. It also sounds like things are starting to happen downstairs for the next RVA noise night. Yeah, so. man. Thanks for having me, man. A little closer I appreciate that, it. Yes, and uh, we should continue this conversation after the mics are off. We will. Okay. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Parker Escalor. That was cool. And as I stated in the beginning, we did have a lot more to talk about. And we will have to revisit that at some point down the road. But I did talk to him for a while longer afterwards, and uh, he's a great guy. And I look forward to the next Carnival of Five Fires. I will check it out because, honestly, I've never been anywhere near any of those events before because I uh, I didn't even know what it was about. I just made a lot of assumptions, um, and I had no idea how closely aligned to my own values his are. And he just got a different way of going about it than I do. But uh, that's cool, right? That's what we're finding out here. That we don't know things about people that we judge from how they look when they're on Facebook and what you imagine their motivations to be and what you think their agenda is and what they're doing. You just can't, you can't really know until you talk to them, until you get to know them. And boy... I'm finding out a lot of people that I thought certain things about, not just people I've had on this podcast, as I take the time to get out of the way and have a real open dialogue and listen. There's a whole lot of fucking cool people in this town. And Parker sent me a message on Facebook afterwards the next night and was like, I hope that I really got across how much I love this town and the people in it. And uh, so if you don't draw that conclusion from listening to him, know it to be true. And I love you, and I love Richmond, and I love everybody, and you're next. Namaste, motherfuckers. <laughs>